following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. Good evening, good evening, good evening, Christian Life Austin. What a blessing it is to come to you on this Wednesday evening in your homes. And I know that many of you are feeling blessed because of this service and because of what we do here for our congregation. <clears throat> but believe me, we feel blessed to be able to talk to you and have a good way to visit with you on Wednesday night. And so in your home, in your home right where you are now, why don't you just turn to somebody beside you and just kind of clap for them and say, I'm glad we're getting to hear the Word of the Lord through this modern technology. And whatever platform you're listening on, we say tune in. We've got something wonderful to tell you. We started a series last week called Jesus, the Man, the Myth, the Legend. And we're just speaking about Jesus Christ. There's, there's, nobody, there's nobody that we could talk about in a greater dimension that could help us in a greater proportion than Jesus Christ. And so we're celebrating Jesus on these Wednesday nights, and we'll continue to do that uh, until we feel like we don't need to do it anymore. But uh, Sunday was a great day, and all you dads, I hope you had a great Father's Day. May God bless you wonderfully. Hey, the guy recording me tonight uh, is having a birthday today. Blake Kelch is a member of our staff, and he turned 28. Oh, to be 28 again. My, 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 my. Lord, 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 what I could do if I was 28 again. But he's here with us, and uh, his wonderful wife, Alicia, their sweet little boys, all are part of what we do here at CLA. I want to call tonight's message Jesus' Encounter with Nicodemus. And we're going, to, we're, going to, we're going to talk from John chapter 3. But I want to start with a story, something like this. His name was Paul. And he lived in the Pacific Northwest. And he was just a little boy when, when his parents became owners of one of the first telephones in the neighborhood. It was a wooden box attached to a wall, had a shiny receiver hanging on the side of the box, and a mouthpiece attached to the front. And Paul listened with fascination as his parents used the phone, and he discovered that there was someone inside that wonderful device. There lived an amazing person. Her name was Information, Please. There was nothing that she did not know. Information, Please could supply anybody's number, could tell you the correct time. Her, his number one experience with Information, Please, though, came one day when he was home alone and had smashed his finger with a hammer. The pain was horrific. He didn't know what to do, and he thought of the telephone. And quickly, he pulled up a footstool to the phone and climbed up on it, unhooked the receiver, held it to his ear, and said these two words, information please, into the mouthpiece. And there was a click or two, and then a small, clear voice spoke. Information, I hurt my finger. <laughs> Paul cried into the phone. And information said, is it your mother home? He said, nobody's home but me. Information said, are you bleeding? Paul said, no, I hit my finger with a hammer and it hurts. Information, please, said, can you open your ice box? He said, yes. And she said, then go to get some ice and hold it on your finger. Paul did and it helped a lot. And after that, Paul called information, please, for everything. <laughs> she helped him with his geography she helped him with his math. She taught him how to spell the word fix, F-I-X. She told him what to feed his pet chipmunk. 
And then when Paul's pet canary died, she listened to his grief tenderly and then said, Paul, always remember there are other worlds to sing in. Somehow that helped Paul feel better. When Paul was nine years old, his family moved to Boston, and as the years passed, he missed information, please, very much. And some years later, Paul was on his way out west to go to college, and his plane landed in Seattle, and he dialed his hometown operator and said, information, please. Miraculously, he heard the same still, clear voice that he knew so well. Information. Paul hadn't planned this, but suddenly he blurted out, could you please tell me how to spell the word fix? There was a long pause, then a laughter on the other end, then a soft answer came, I guess your finger must be all healed by now. And Paul laughed, so it really is still you. Do you have any idea how much you meant to me when I was a little boy and I used to call you for everything? And she said, I wonder if you know how much your calls meant to me because I never had children, and I used to look forward to your calls so very much. And Paul told her how he had missed her over the years and asked if he could call her again if he was ever back in the area. She said, please do, just ask for Sally. She finally gave him her name. And three months later, back in Seattle, this time a different voice answered, and he asked for Sally, and the speaker said, are you a friend? The operator asked, yes, a very dear friend. My name is Paul. Well, I'm sorry to have to tell you this, but Sally has been working part-time for the last few years because she was very sick, and she died five weeks ago. Before he could hang up, the operator said, Wait a minute. Did you say your name was Paul? Yes. Well, Sally left a message for you. She wrote it down in case you call. Let me read it to you if you don't mind. It says, When Paul calls, tell him that I still say, there are other worlds to sing in. He will know what I mean. And Paul thanked her and hung up. He knew what Sally meant. There are other worlds to sing in. That's a beautiful and powerful thought. And that's what John 3 is all about. There are other worlds to sing in. In this life, yes, and beyond this life. When Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again, you must be born again from above. That's what he meant. You don't have to stay the way you are. You can make a new start. You can make a new life. You can become a new person. There are other worlds, Nicodemus, to sing in. See, Nicodemus was a key leader among the Jews in the time of Jesus. He was probably from a wealthy, distinguished, and highly respected family. He was a Pharisee. There were 6,000 of those in the brotherhood, 6,000 Pharisees, and he had taken a pledge in front of three witnesses one day that they would dedicate their lives to observing every detail of the scribal law. The scribes work out the regulations, and the Pharisees consecrated their lives to keeping them to the nth degree what the scribes had written. And also, Nicodemus was a member of the Sanhedrin, which was the supreme court of the Jews. The Sanhedrin consisted of 70 members of the 6,000 Pharisees. So he was the elect of the elect. And the Sanhedrin had religious authority 
over every Jew in the world. And his primary duty, his primary duty was to examine and to deal with anyone suspected of being a false prophet. That's what his duty was. So Nicodemus came to visit Jesus by night one time. And there's much ink been spilled over that. Why come by night? Was he afraid of guilt by association? Was he afraid of what the Pharisees would think? Did he want a private audience with Jesus undisturbed? Was he coming as a watchdog for the Sanhedrin? Or was he genuinely interested in getting to know Jesus better? All are fascinating questions. And perhaps all had just a little chink in the armor of why he came to the Lord. It's an amazing thing that he came to Jesus at all. Pharisee friends would have scoffed at him and really put him down. After all, Jesus was the antithesis of everything that they were. They were suspicious of Jesus. They labeled him a troublemaker who upset the people. And they were looking for an opportunity to silence him forever. They saw Jesus as a threat. But Nicodemus came to him and said to him in the second verse of John chapter 3, Rabbi, you must be a teacher who has come from God because no one could do the signs and wonders you do apart from the presence of God. And Jesus responded in the very next verse, You can't see the kingdom of God without being born again. You must be born from above. In essence, you can't become a Christian by making a few minor adjustments in your life. You can't reform yourself. You have to have a complete turnaround. Nicodemus asked it this way. He said, can a man be born and put back in his mother's womb and be born after he's old again? And Jesus said, you must be born of water and of the Spirit or you can't enter into the kingdom of God. You have to have a radical rebirth, a rebirth from above, which means a new life from God. And Nicodemus didn't understand it. So Jesus explained it wonderfully in this verse. In 16, he said, For God so loved the world, and He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have, here it is, everlasting life. Not just temporal life, but everlasting life. You can have that kind of life when Jesus comes into your heart and you begin to believe and trust in Him. Some years ago, the great boxer, the great heavyweight champion, Muhammad Ali, was asked by a ghetto youth how he could quit school and start a boxing career since he had had all these bad grades. And Ali smiled at the young man and said in his poetic fashion, I loved Ali's poems. He said, stay in college and get the knowledge and stay there till you're through. Because if God can make penicillin out of moldy bread, He can make something out of you. Can I tell you tonight, in your homes. That's the good news of John chapter 3. Because God so loved the world, He sent Jesus Christ to make something out of us. And He came, verse 17 said, not to condemn the world, but that through Him the world might be saved. Oh, to some He's a myth. To some He's a man. But to many He's legendary. Because nobody can do you like Jesus can. Why don't you take a praise bake and clap right now in your home and thank God because Jesus Christ is with us today. 
When you accept him in your life, you commit your hearts to him, then he gives you a new life in this world and a new life in the world to come. That's what he meant by saying being born again, or born from above. But let me be more specific and describe the new birth in three thoughts. I think when you're born again, I think three things are going to happen to you. Number one, being born from above means to come alive to the Word of God. This book right here, it'll come alive to you. It's not just war and peace. It's not just some novel that you read. It's not just some boring thing that you put your heart to do. It is the living Word of God. John Wesley wrote Biblical Proclamation for Africa today, and he tells a wonderful story about a young woman who had heard people talk about an interesting new book that had just been published. And everybody raved about how great that book was. She went to a bookstore and found a copy and bought it, took it home, tried to read it, but somehow she just couldn't get into it. She would read a little bit and then put the book aside, and it didn't capture her attention at all. She tried seven or eight times to read it. A few months later, that young woman was traveling in a foreign country, and she met a handsome young man, and she fell in love with him. And as they spent time together, she discovered that he was a writer. And would you believe it? Yeah. He was the author of the book that everyone was talking about, about back home. The one she had bought and tried to read but couldn't get into it and had put it aside. But when she returned home, she found the book and started reading it again. This time, she couldn't put it down. She read it from cover to cover and then read it again and again and again and again. It was the most, in her words, exhilarating book she had ever read in her life. The difference? Simple. She had met the author, and she knew him personally, and he was her friend indeed, and she was in love with him. To be a born-again person, folks, this parable is what it means to come alive to the Word of God, the Bible. If we don't know Jesus personally, the Bible is hard to read, difficult to get into, and easy to put aside. But when we know Jesus personally, when He's a personal Savior to us, and we know Him intimately, when we feel His love and return His love, then the Bible comes alive for us, and it becomes a love letter. Woo, hallelujah, from God. It becomes the most exciting book that we've ever read in our life. You know, there's times I just love to pick up and read the Psalms. I love to pick up and read the Proverbs. Oh, and I love Ecclesiastes. And I love, I love Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John. And I love the book of Acts. And I love to read Romans. And I love to read the Corinthian letters and the Galatians, to the letter to the Galatians and the Ephesians and the Philippians. And I love it because every one of them tell me something so uniquely. It's so blended and so beautiful. And it's letters from God. And because I love Him, I love His love letters to me. Nicodemus knew his scriptures well. He really did. Yet for him, being religious, meaning knowing what to do and especially what not to do. Let me preach now. The emphasis of Nicodemus' Bible study was on what people do. But Jesus changed all of that. He said that in order to see the kingdom of God, the emphasis must shift to what God does. Not what we do, but what He does. 
The New Testament makes it clear that this new birth is not our doing. We are born from above. It's God's gift. You can't earn it. You can't get good enough to get it. And you can't get bad enough not to have it. We can only accept it in faith. It's faith to us. So to be born from above doesn't mean we can earn it. It means to come alive to the Word of God by falling in love with the author and the finisher of our faith. Some of you need to raise your hands right now and say, Lord, I've been trying to earn this for a long time, but I'm just going to open my heart and receive it because you give and I receive. It's not what I do. It's what you can do in my life and in my heart. I feel an amen right now. In fact, I'm going to be like my old pastor back in Dallas, back in Longview, <laughs> when nobody was saying amen, and there's nobody in this building to say amen right now, he would say, I'm just going to give myself an amen. He'd hit himself, himself on the shoulder with his handkerchief and say, preach, son, preach. I'm preaching to you. The second thing I know about this born again experience is being born from above means to come alive to love. It does. It means to come alive to love. A little girl went to a doctor for a checkup and when the doctor came into the examining room, she held up both hands to get his attention. And then she said, Doctor, I know what you're going to do. You're going to do five things. You're going to check my eyes. You're going to check my nose. You're going to check my ears. You're going to check my throat. And you're going to check my heart. And the doctor said, Well, Sarah, that's exactly right. Is there any particular order that you want to check them? Sarah said, Well... You can go in any order you want to, doctor. But if I were you, I would start with my heart. And that's what Jesus did. <laughs> Jesus started with the heart. Because Jesus knew that we would be reactive people to everything around us if he didn't give us something on the inside that was proactive. And this proactive love and this proactive gift that the Lord has dropped in our hearts lets us understand that before I get to that crisis, I have a God helping me in that crisis. Before I walk through the storm, there is a God that's put an umbrella in my soul. Before I walk through hell and before I walk through the fiery furnace, there is a Lord that's put an asbestos suit on me previously because it's a heart out matter, not experience in matter. He started with love, and that's precisely what he wants us to do. Nicodemus and his Pharisee friends had a hard time with that because they had been taught all their lives to start with laws and rules and regulations and restrictions. Like this illustration, a man fell in a hole on the Sabbath day. And he was screaming for help. And a Pharisee would come along and say, what does the law say about this? Well, the law says you can't work on the Sabbath day. So when his response would be, sorry, sir, I can't help you today. Maybe somebody will come along tomorrow. Sorry, I can't break the scribal law. That's what, that's what outer forces will do to us. And on the other hand, Jesus would start with the heart and he would go to the man in the hole and he would say, give me, your man, give me your hand and I'll pull you out right now. I'll pull you out of that hole right now. I'll even help you get an ox out of a ditch on the Sabbath. That night in Jerusalem long ago, Jesus was saying to Nicodemus and to us, you don't have to stay the way you are. You don't have to be a prisoner to legalism 
to rules and regulations that people try to put on you. Let me put something in your heart that is proactive and prepares you for a disaster, prepares you for a world to come, prepares you for things in this life, but really prepares you for a heaven that's waiting on you. That's what it's all about. There are other worlds to sing in. You can be reborn from above. You can come alive to the Bible and you can come alive to love. Give me your hand, Nicodemus, and I will pull you out of that hole. Third and finally, a way that you know that the born again experiences has happened is being born from above means to come alive to eternal life. Can I say something? Temporal always bows to eternal. And everything here in this world is temporal. But what we're looking for is eternality. We're looking for an eternal life. Everything here is mortal. But what we're desiring is immortality. See, for a Christian, death is not death at all. It's just the end of life. And it's not even that necessarily. It's simply moving through a door called death into a new dimension of life with God. Perhaps you've heard of Henry Van Dyke in his, in his work called The Parable of Immortality. It's a powerful parable, parable, parable on how we see death and how death should be viewed. It goes like this. I'm standing on a seashore. A ship at my side spreads her white sails in the morning breeze and starts for the blue ocean. She is the object of beauty and strength, and I stand and watch until at last she hangs like a speck of white cloud just where the sea and the sky come down to mingle with each other. Then someone at my side says these words, there she goes. Go, gone where? Gone from my sight, that's all. She's just as large and mast and hull and span as she ever was when she left my side and just as able to bear her load of living freight to the place of her destination. Her diminished size is in me. It's not in her. She's still large. She's still in charge. And just at the moment when somebody, somebody at my side says, there she goes, there are other eyes watching her coming and other voices ready to take up the glad shout, here she comes. Here she comes on the other shore. That's the good news of our Christian faith. We can be born again in this life, and we can be born yet again when death comes. Hallelujah. Mortal takes on immortality because there are other worlds to sing in. When we submit, when we commit our lives to Jesus Christ, God will always be there for us even on the other side of the grave. We can count on that because we know that God so loved the world that He gave. So we could have, here it is, eternal life, eternal life, eternal life. So being born again means many things, three of which is coming alive to the Word, coming alive to His love, and coming alive to this thing called eternal life. Let me just stop and just teach a little bit as a father should teach. Let me talk to you right now. Quit letting the temporal things have a mindset over the eternal thing that is in you. Eternal will trump the temporal. 
eternal is greater than anything that you will face in this life. Amen. In fact, I have lived by these words since I was a little boy. I heard somebody say it. This too shall pass. It's going to go. But Jesus Christ, Hebrews 13 and 8 says, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I read about a denominational preacher up in Idaho that had a a church in a little mountain town, small church. And every Sunday afternoon, <clears throat> he would go to a, a non-denominational church that was a little more open with their worship. And he learned some songs at that church. And every Sunday afternoon, after the service was over, he would walk his dog. There was a, a dirt runway for an airport there in that little town of Idaho. And he would walk his dog and he would sing songs. And there was a little girl in the, in the area that lived by the airport that would come out, stand and watch him walk his dog, and she loved to hear him sing. And he came out one day singing, I have found a friend in Jesus. He's everything to me. He's the fairest of 10,000 to my soul. The lily of the valley in him alone I see. All I need to cleanse and make me fully whole. In sorrow he's my comfort. In trouble he's my stay. He tells me every care on him to roll. He's the lily of the valley, the bright and morning star. He's the fairest of 10,000 to my soul. But one day he had a bad day. He'd had a bad day. The little girl who had come out sometime would walk with him and his, his old dog. She never said a word. She had a, 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 a little mental challenge in her mind, and she was not quite there. But she would walk, and she would be with him, and she loved to hear him sing. And one day he came out in not such a good mood, and so he wasn't ready to sing that day. And all of a sudden he heard her say, Bright and morning star. <laughs> Bright and morning star. And he stopped and he began to weep. And he realized that the little girl who was almost mute never spake much to her parents and never spake to him at all until then. Realized there was two or three words in that song that touched her spirit. Bright and morning star. Here's what I want to tell you. If you forget all the other words to the fairest of 10,000 to my soul, if you forget all the other words to that song, look up in the morning, look up tonight and say bright and morning star. He is our bright and our morning star. He's a day star. He shines in the brightest day and he shines in the darkest night because there's nothing like being born again by the blood of Jesus Christ. Let him cleanse you. Let him fill you. Let his heart touch your heart. It's all a matter of heart with him. It's not a matter of rules and legalism. It's a matter of what he can do for you in your life. And don't ever look at yourself in the mirror again and say, I am not worthy of what Jesus wants to do for me. 
That's why we preach the cross. He made us worthy. Bright and morning star. God bless you tonight. God bless your home. God bless your family. If you would like to raise your hand right now, I'm going to pray for you and bless you right now. Dear Father, in the name of the Lord, I want you to come into every home. I want you to come into every life. I want you to touch every child. I want you to touch every mom and every dad. I want you to touch every single parent and every, every household that has both parents. Touch every life, touch every home. And God, let everyone know that you are the man, you're the myth, and you're the legend. And you've gone to prepare a place for us. And if you have gone to prepare a place for us, you're going to come again and receive us unto yourself. Now, Lord, I want to lift up my hand right now, and I want to receive you. Say it with me. Lord, forgive me of my sins and receive me into your life. Let me be born again from above. I'm tired of all this earthly stuff. I want something from another world to touch my heart and my life. Let it be, let it be in my soul today. For in Jesus' name, I bless you. Amen, amen, amen. Hey, Sunday is going to be an awesome day. We're enjoying Sundays. We're going to get through this summer. You that's been out of town, you that's been away because of uh, of, of the pandemic and, the, and quarantine. We understand that. We really do understand that. But when you feel like you can't come back, come on back. There's nothing like the house of God. There's nothing like being in His presence. And we'll give you one hour of the very best we have in our hearts. But God will give you an all day the best of what He has in His heart. It's a God thing. And we love Him with all of our lives and all of our hearts. Be blessed. Have a great evening.